Welcome to the Encounter Community Church Podcast, where we take God's Word and look at how we can utilize, practically apply it, and implement it into our lives. Welcome back to Encounter Community Church. My name is Ken Ballard Jr., and I am the pastor here. Again, I'm so excited for you to be here with us, that you decided to be a part of this encouragement for the journey of your life. So again, whether you're listening in a car, whether you're listening while you're jogging or riding a bike or just relaxing and hearing this calm, soothing voice of mine, that's about as deep as I can go. <laughs> so I, I just wanted to say again, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast and appreciate that you're here. Quick housekeeping thing. If you are listening to the podcast on our website, please feel free to head over to Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere uh, that you can download podcasts on, go ahead and subscribe. That way we post new things, you'll be one of the first ones to be notified about it. Well, I have started a new journey. and It's new for me. And I remember like, like years ago, I had made my wife a promise that on Fridays, I was going to cook for the house. And I did like a few weeks here or there, but I didn't follow through on it being every Friday. <laughs> but this year, my wife took on a substitute teaching job. Well, she actually took it on last year, like towards the end of last year. But she's, when I say last year, I'm talking about academic year. So this academic year, she's actually taking that on as well. And, you know, I, I just looked at just how busy she is between that and she also tutors kids on Wednesdays. Uh, she has a group of about 15 kids that she's taking through. They're studying the mythology of other cultures, which is really fun stuff. She's showed me some of the things they've been talking about. Really, really fun stuff. And then, not only that, she homeschools our daughter, and then on top of everything else she does for us and our household. And, and so I decided, you know what, on Mondays, I'm going to try to cook again. I'm going to try. So a couple weeks ago, I made a vegetarian burrito dish, vegetarian, it's like a burrito bowl, and I have to tell you, I'm actually kind of proud of myself in the way that it turned out. I, I, I followed the recipe, and there was this beans and stuff that was kind of good in there, but there was this trip that there was this avocado creamer that we put on top, and oh, now that is what sold the dish. And so this week, I decided to do it again. Last week, we had so many leftovers, we decided to go with that last Monday. But this Monday, yesterday, I made enchiladas vegetarian bean enchiladas, black bean enchiladas for the vegetarians in the house. And for those who were not vegetarians, I added chicken uh, to the enchiladas. So this was my first time ever making enchiladas. And I followed the recipe well. <laughs> I, I just have to say, hey, let's give a quick shout out to all recipes. Now, this is not a commercial for them in any way, form, or fashion. So please, please don't get me wrong in that. I'm not paid to represent all recipes, but hey, all recipes, if you want to throw me a bone, I am down for the cause. 
But I went through and just started looking at recipes. And of course, you want to follow the five-star recipes. But not only the five-star recipes, it has to be the five-star recipes that have more than three likes. <laughs> so it has to be, for me, a minimum of a four to five-star recipe with at minimum 100 likes. The more, the merrier. And so this one that I found was 168. It was five stars with 168 likes. And let me tell you, there's going to be 169. And it's really great. It made me feel good about myself when, you know, I, I cook the food and, and the kids come out and they're, Dad, this is really good. <laughs> so that made me feel really good about myself and about this endeavor that I'm trying. And it really is. It's, it's a learning curve. I feel sorry for my youngest daughter. Uh, she's the one that's responsible for clearing out the dishes. So because each one of my kids, they have their own chores that they're responsible for. So it is her responsibility to empty the dishwasher and put away any of the extra dishes because we'll wash the dishes and we'll put them on a towel and let them dry. Well, let's just say to someone who is new to the cookie gram, I can blow a lot of dishes. <laughs> Matter of fact, my wife went to go grab something last night. She's like, where, where are all the spoons? And I was like, well, I have to be honest, I used about 20 spoons tasting the different things that I was making the other night. So we kind of ran out of spoons. So she had to wash herself a spoon to be able to eat what she was eating. But I'm proud of myself. So we, we'll see how it goes. And maybe one of my podcasts will be me telling about a story of a nasty meal that I made and how my kids responded very graciously. <laughs> we will see. And maybe you might be saying, well, Kim, maybe they just did respond to it. No, no, no. I will say I tasted it. And being unbiased towards my effort, because I expected it. I didn't know what to expect. But I was pleasantly surprised at what my mouth experienced. So I, I think the kids were being honest <laughs> when they said that this is, this is really good. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. But I'm going to continue on this journey. So Mondays, I will be cooking. Feel free to send me some suggestions on things that you cook. Now realize, if you send the suggestions, you better send the recipe. Because <laughs> if it don't come with the recipe, I ain't cooking it. <laughs> I, and I, please, make sure that it's a precise recipe. recipe. If it has to do anything with, well, pour this much. Because one, one of the first or one of the worst pieces of advice that I saw was salt to taste. Like, what does that mean? What do you mean salt to taste? No, just tell me. Half a teaspoon, a quarter teaspoon, a teaspoon. <laughs> Give me an idea of how much salt to start with. And then what I'll do is I will salt it to taste. And if it comes out too salty, then, of course, I'll put less salt in it next time. But give me a doggone starting point. Please, please, please. <laughs> so if you send me a recipe that is a dash of this, a pinch of that, a look at that, a zest of this, I'm, I'm telling you, it's going to be zested. It's going to be zested right into the trash can because I have no idea what all of those terms mean. <laughs> now, if you give me exact measurements, we can make that happen. We can make that happen. What that does is that kind of leads into what it was or what it is that I would like to talk about today. We're finishing up our series called Soul Lucian. And in this series, again, here's what we're looking at is there are aspects of our soul that's broken. That no matter how we try to navigate life, 
there's aspects of our soul that is broken. And why is it broken? It is because Adam and Eve did when they ate of the fruit. Ever since then, our souls have been questing for fulfillment. And over the course of this series, we've been talking about the different ways that our souls are broken. Or we've been talking about, maybe not necessarily broken, but the needs. There are, there are extensive needs that our soul has. Needs that are specifically designed to be met by God. And it's key that if we're going to live the fulfilled life, that we learn how to tap into how God fulfills and satisfies those needs. Over the course of the series, the way that we've emphasized that is we've said that the way that we, we meet those needs is that we lean into the spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines that God gives us that allows us to be able to connect with him. So we've talked about things like Bible study, prayer, fasting, solitude, giving, serving, investing, sharing your faith. We talked about elements like that because as we look at our lives, it's very important that we utilize spiritual disciplines where it gives God a chance, it gives God a chance to pour into us. But it's also important that we utilize spiritual disciplines that allows us to pour out into others. God pours into us what we need and then we take out of that need and we pour into others. It is meant to be cyclical in that way where we, again, allow ourselves to utilize what it is that God has poured into us. It, it has to be both. If we only take in, then eventually we overflow. If you have anything that overflows, usually something that overflows makes a mess. And if we only pour out, then eventually we find ourselves empty. So, so it has to be both. It has to be both that we build. But hopefully over the course of this series, as we've looked at the spiritual disciplines, so what we've done is on Sundays, we've talked about why the spiritual disciplines are so important. And in our podcast, we've just talked about how to do them. And we've gone over that. So as we looked at this week, I just want to tell you that I'm reading a book with our men's group at our church. It's a book called Chasing David. And what it, what it does is it's going through the archaeological evidences for the life of David because at one point there was no archaeological evidence for David and who he was. So people just assumed that he was a really great fairy tale. But now they're starting to find more and more archaeological evidence, including like his name being written on the fence of a city gate. So little things like that. They're starting to find those kind of things that are ancient artifacts that are beginning to point to David and who David is, which is, which is really a fun thing, really, really fun. In this book, what it's talking about is it look, it's looking at the archaeological evidences of David and who he is, but also what it's doing is it's diving into the life of David. And what is it that we can learn from David and who he is as well? And as I was reading this week and I was preparing for the message on Sunday, as well as preparing for this podcast, there was a thought that really stood out to me that really grabbed a hold of me. And, and typically in scripture, when we look at this idea of David and who David is, we think about David's nom de jour. Is that a word? 
it just sounded really fancy, really fancy. Uh, <laughs> his nomenclature, his, his nickname, and it was referred to David as being a man after God's own heart. A man after God's own heart. And I remember that I would, I would teach messages on what it meant to be a man after God's own heart. Because I, I took it and I looked at it within the context of our society and the context of our thought and maybe even in the context of the thought of the church that was kind of a going thing. And when we look at the idea of David being a man after God's own heart, we looked at qualities. For example, we looked at qualities of the worship of David. Uh, we looked at qualities of times of the obedience of David. We looked at uh, David and the qualities of advancing the kingdom of God and what God decided to do. Not only that, we look at David as being an ancestor of Jesus Christ. So we put all of those things together and we come to the conclusion that David was a man after God's own heart. But then in this book, it challenged that. And what it challenged was this idea of David being a man after God's own heart is not based upon David's performance, but on God's love. That David being a man after God's own heart is not because of David being a good guy. Because as a matter of fact, we can go through and we can look at David's life. And David made some pretty monumental mistakes. I mean, having an affair, that's a big one. Arranging for the husband to come back to hopefully sleep with his wife to hide the affair because Bathsheba got pregnant. That's a pretty big one. But then when the man decides to be honorable and not sleep with his wife because his fellow soldiers are not back to sleep with their wives, David sends him back on the battlefield with an order. And the order is that when the fighting starts, everyone retreats and leaves the man to die. So to cover up his affair, David arranged the death of Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. I mean, just think about that. How, how twisted that is. Yet, a man after God's own heart. Hmm. Well, it's, it's obviously not based upon his performance. Because we said that he made a huge, huge mistake of judgment. So what is it based on? And the truth is, David being a man of God's, after God's own heart is not based upon David at all. It's based upon God. And that God saw David and chose him. Faults, future flaws, errors, shortcomings, and all. God chose him. Now, why is that so significant? because that relates to you and I. That God choosing me is not based upon my performance or my future abilities. It's not based upon how good I am or how good I can be. That God choosing me is based upon him. That he saw elements of me that he loves and wanted me to be his son. I mean, when you look at it that way, I mean, that is just so, so powerful. 
And I think it's the same thing with you as well. You know, it says in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 3, all praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Verse 4, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us to be in Christ. Now just think about that already. That even before God made the world, he already had you in mind to choose you and to love you. He already had you in mind, although there may, be, may have been moments in your life where you lied. He already had you in mind, although there may have been moments in your life where you have stolen. He already had you in mind, although there may have been moments that you had in your life where you cheated. He already had you in mind. God already had you in mind. He already loved you, and he already chose you. I mean, just think about that. And it's important for you to realize that your flaws, your faults, your mistakes, that they do not eliminate you from being loved and chosen and accepted by God. Right? That is such a huge, huge thing for you to really begin to understand when it comes to living for God and learning how to love him and serve him and be with him. There's a quote. There's, in this book, it quotes a guy named Brennan Manning. And, and Brennan Manning, he's a Christian author, but he says this. I thought this was so powerful. You may be insecure, inadequate, mistaken, or pot-bellied, which I'm, I'm, I'm bummed because that means that somehow Brennan Manning knew me <laughs> knew my life. Dude, why are you calling me out for being pot-bellied? <laughs> but it goes on, and it says, but you are not just that. You are accepted. You are accepted. So God chose you. And then notice, it, it goes on to say that God chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. To be holy and without fault in his eyes. To be holy and without fault in his eyes. To be holy. Now, the reason why I say this so many times, because I, I, I look at that from the perspective of how I used to read it. See, I, I, thought it, I thought it meant that God chose me based upon the fact of how he cleaned me up. How he'd make me brand new. But this is even bigger than that. Because... The Greek word that is used for to be in this passage actually means I am. So it actually means I exist. So in other words, this is not a, this is not a future tense of me being holy and blameless in his eyes. He sees me and I am already holy and blameless in his eyes. It's not my future act of getting myself together. I am holy and blameless in his eyes right now. Why? One simple reason, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. Now what that does is that doesn't give me license to act a fool. <laughs> Woohoo! I'm holy and blameless. Let's go rob a liquor store. No, it, it, it doesn't give me license to be an idiot. But what it does is it gives me motivation. Like, God, you saw my faults and you chose me. So you know what I'm capable of. And in your eyes, 
you see me not as what I will be, but in your eyes, that already is what I am. So all I have to do now is live up to what it is that you declare. Some of y'all need to listen to that. Because let's be real. There have been times in my life where I've blown it after I decided to follow Jesus. And in those moments, my thought was, God, I deserve to be rejected by you. I've really messed up this time. I have blown it. If I were to die today, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I would go to heaven based upon how I've messed up. So why would you Excuse me. How many of you have wrestled with that? How many of you struggle with that? How many of you thought, man, this is the one that gets me booted out? God, how can you forgive someone who's messed up so badly? And for some of you who's listened to this podcast, and if you are, thank you so much for listening. If you are someone who walked away from God because of how you messed up or screwed up in your life and you're listening to this podcast right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you for giving me a chance to encourage you because I want you to know you are accepted, you are loved, you are chosen. And and from the moment that David was chosen, That was a life-defining moment. That was the moment that he would refer to all the days of his life. It is that moment, I believe, that David is thinking about when he writes in Psalm 139, verse 13, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was formed in the utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. And all of that, Father, was to bring me to that moment where you would choose me. God, you define me. And this next language, it, it really does. This next passage and the language of the next passage reveals what it's like for those of us when we come to the understanding that we are really chosen by God. And he says this in verse 17, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. I, I can't even out I, I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of the sand of the sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. You are still with me. Oh, that you would understand that you are chosen by God. Because if you could understand that you're chosen by God, then you can understand the next element, which is what I talked about on Sunday is a simple fact that if you understand that you were chosen by God, now you can begin to understand the fact that the next step is for you to choose him. The next step is for you to choose him. 
And here's what I want you to know. Many times when we think about choosing God, we think about it as that one-day event, that, that big event, the, the day that I got down on my knees. I, I remember I was sitting in a church, and I was at the back of the service. And, and, I, and I, honestly, I can't, I can't tell you what the song was. I, I can't tell you what the message was. But I can tell you that I felt like God was saying, Ken, it's your time. It's your time. You've gone through all of your life. You, you've been on the crest of believing in me. You've grown up in church. But now it's your time, your decision for you to truly follow me. And that day, December of 1989, don't ask me to ask the exact date. It's over 30 years ago. <laughs> so, or nearly 30 years ago. However, I know it's December 1989. I said yes to him. And it's really interesting because many times when we think about someone deciding to follow Jesus, we go back to that one moment, that one defining moment. But let me tell you something. I'm, I'm coming to realize something, and, and this is really huge. As, as we talk about how now, as we look at, well, Ken, if that's true, then how do I choose God? How do I choose him? And I just want to encourage you to make sure that you're not leaning on that one day, that one defining moment, although it's beautiful, and although there, there is never another commitment that you will make that is so precious and so valuable in your life. But I can tell you on one day, I also stood in front of a sanctuary of people, and I talked about this woman who God had brought into my life and how I decided I wanted to make her my wife. So I got down on my knee in front of the congregation and asked her to marry me. Now let me tell you, that day is huge. It is a life-defining moment. But you know what I'm coming to the realization of? Is marriage is more than just that one moment. Like if I'm gonna have a great marriage, it means each moment during the day, I need to say yes to my wife. Yes to the commitment, yes to my vows. Each day, because if not, I could drift. And don't we, under, don't we have those stories of people who've drifted that have said things like, we've fallen out of love with one another? Don't we have those moments? Don't we have those stories? I mean, there's, there's a plethora of them. So if you're going to have a great relationship, then there must be moments every day, throughout the day, where you say yes. Yes to taking out the trash. <laughs> yes to, and, and I'm talking, and that's right, I'm getting real, y'all. Yes to taking out the trash. Yes to putting away the dishes. Yes to dusting the living room. Yes to putting down the toilet seat. <laughs> oh, man. For some of the women that are listening to this, they're like, Ken, you had me at hello. <laughs> but yes, each day of my marriage, if I really want my marriage to be great, I have to learn how to say yes in those moments. 
And so if you're going to have a great relationship with God, this is why the spiritual disciplines are so important. Because as you practice the spiritual disciplines, what you're really saying is yes to God. When you read your Bible, yes. When you pray, yes. When you serve, yes. When you give, yes. When you uplift, yes. When you invest, yes. When you fast, yes. When you have those moments of solitude, yes. Every time you practice the spiritual disciplines, it is you saying yes to God. Now, also what comes along with that is in talking about that, there also has to be a priority. There also has to be a priority. It says in Exodus chapter 20, it says, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or image or anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sky. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. Now, as we look at that, it's just important for us to understand. Think about it this way. If you propose to someone, your proposal means that your relationship takes priority over all relationships. And I think sometimes we used to look at the idea that God being jealous is that God is inadequate in some way. But, but let, me ask, let, me, let me ask you this. If my wife saw me talking to another woman in a flirtatious way, does she have a right to be jealous? And it's not a jealousy based on her insecurity. It's a jealousy based on my choice. And so literally, it's important for us to understand that saying yes to God is also a statement of priority. See, we don't have idols like they had back then. We don't have gods that we bow down and worship. We don't put totem poles in our houses or statues on our shelves and bow down before them. But we still do wrestle with idols. The idols that we wrestle with now are success, money, maybe relationships, career. Our idol is anything that we put before God to say that is going to be what I turn to in order to find satisfaction and fulfillment. That's an idol. And in that situation where you begin to lean to other things, God is a jealous God. Because he desires to be first and foremost in your life in the same way that he has made you first and foremost to him. See, that's the uniqueness of God in the sense that every single one of us, every single one of us, he loves us as though we were his first and his foremost. He pours out his passion on us as his children. So this is the challenge that is given to us to begin to pursue. So how do I choose God? It's yes, every day making those choices that God, I'm going to make you a priority. And it's 
yes, and again, making God a priority, and yes, in those small little choices that I make every day. And it is, it's examining my heart and asking myself, are there things that I'm leaning to more than God? Because part of also, it, it is learning how to change our mindset. And one of the ways that we change our mindset is to begin to pursue what it is that our soul desires. And for you to get there, that means that there may be some things that you have to unlearn in order to learn how to love God and make God a priority. I have seen it. I have seen it where there have been an affair in marriage. And, and let me tell you, basically what idolatry is, when we decide to worship something else ahead of God, that is a spiritual love affair against God. And that's why it breaks his heart. And I have seen marriages where there has been a physical, intimate, sexual affair. Be restored. So what really turned it around is the fact that they decided to reprioritize their husband or reprioritize their wife and pursue them, pursue him, pursue her. That's what made the difference. And let me tell you that there'll be moments where you'll be tempted. And so one of the ways that you can begin to make that constant everyday choice is in those moments where you're tempted to lean on those other things for satisfaction, use that moment to pray. Use that moment to pray. God, help me to trust in you. Help me to rely on you. Help me to depend on you. God, I've seen my real, my, my, the way that I'm, I'm beginning to rely on my money. God, help me to begin to make changes in those ways. And maybe the changes that you might make is having to give. Give. That's the way. If you really want to beat money as your idolatry, give it. If you really want to learn how to beat your career as an idol, serve. Serve somewhere. Help someone. Build someone. Strengthen someone. Reprioritize your life to pursue what really matters. So, that's the how. That's the how. So I'm really hoping that this will be an encouragement to you to start the journey of building and having the spiritual disciplines in your life so that you can begin to invest in the relationship that God has created you for, the intimacy that you can have with him. So God has chosen you. Here's the question. Will you choose him so that's it that is the end of the solution series be on the lookout because like i said we're watching we're going to be launching a brand new website our link on our website called next steps what we may do is, is we may release it link by link so that way people can go ahead and get started and as we launch the new element of it uh, so the first one will be Bible study as we launch prayer, then we'll launch and we'll build from there so that people can have avenues to turn to in order to grow in their faith. But, but we're hoping that this will be a tool that you can utilize and allow you to have the kind of relationship with God that God has designed you for. So we're going to put as many tools on there as we can to help you to grow in the dynamic of your relationship with him. 
So again, as I said before, I thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of your journey. I, I'm so honored to do so. So honored to do so. So again, with that in mind, we're launching a brand new series this coming Sunday called Self Mastery. Because if you think about it this way, what is the one thing that could undermine everything that you're trying to build? And it's those decisions that we make that we regret. Or it's those decisions that we don't make that don't take us over the edge to move towards greatness. So we're going to dig into that self-mastery beginning this Sunday. So hopefully you'll be able to join us for this series as well, beginning this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. But thank you so much, as I said before, and encounters about three things. Love up, let's fall madly and passionately in love with God. Love out, let's make a commitment to love others. And love in, I promise you, if you grow in your relationship with God and you begin to serve others, you're gonna learn things about yourself that you love as well, and you will begin to see yourself as he sees you. Well, take care. God bless you. And we'll see you once again next week. Thank you so much for joining us for the Encounter Community Church podcast. If you could do us a favor, whatever service it is that you're listening to this podcast on, please rate and review us. If there's anything that we can do better, please let us know. But by rating and review, it also make our podcast easier for others to be able to find. If you would like to support us at Encounter financially with what it is that we're doing to make a difference in our community, whether it's the mobile food bank, whether it's serving at North High School, or making a difference, again, in our community, feel free to head over to our website, encountercommunity.church. Click the link that says online giving. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way, when we post new live streams or new vlogs, you'll be updated. As well as please head over to Facebook and like our page. That way, when we post new podcasts, again, new vlogs, new live streams, or have church events, You'll be updated and know what's going on here at Encounter. As we said before, thank you so much. We're so glad to have you with us. And we look forward to you being a part of the podcast next week.